Welcome to episode 63 of the Fancy Alarm Baseball Podcast. Shaking off the rust once again here. Uh, there's not much snow happening here in Syracuse. I don't know how things are out your way, but I'm joined today and this evening actually by Matt Sells. How are things going? Uh, they're pretty good. It's pretty chilly out here in Lincoln, Nebraska, which you'd expect this time of year. I mean, we are as far north as New York City, so it's not like it's surprising to be chilly. Haven't had that much snow. So, you know, yeah, so- we're raking our way towards the warmer weather and baseball. Yeah, somehow uh, we're 30 inches behind regular, so on snow up here in Syracuse. So. I wouldn't say that too loud. It might come in one fell swoop. Yeah, I'll, I'll knock on some wood here. Yeah, that, that big storm that hit the last time, it, it never made it. We got we got snow, but not like uh, it was Pittsburgh and Binghamton took the brunt of that storm. But, um, yeah, on, on to some things here now. We've got baseball on the horizon, and there's a couple of things now, of course, uh, the commissioner today on uh, in, in an article released by Bob Nightingale, his puppet, um, was mentioning that, you know, owners should be planning on a full 162-game season and this, that, and the other. However, uh, we have a couple of issues we're going to explore first, but, um, you know, there's still no announcement about a universal DH. There's There's no... Uh, there's no rules in place yet saying in case there's any COVID outbreaks or because of injuries, they're going to have expanded rosters. There's so many things left unsaid other than just sounding the triumphant horn that we're planning on a full season. Can we believe anything that Mr. Manfred says? No, not really. I mean, he's proven time and time again that he doesn't. I'm not even sure he really cares all that much about baseball. I mean, we'll circle back to when he called it a, a piece of metal. He called the World Series trophy just a piece of metal that they fight for, basically. Um, so that's pretty odd for a commissioner to say about the championship trophy in his own sport. Um, so, yeah, I don't think I'm of the camp that I'm, I'm leaning towards a May 1st start at this point. I don't fully believe that they're going to get going um, with actual mid-February training camp. Um, you know, spring training, pitchers and catchers, whatnot. I don't think that's I mean, going to happen. We're talking about a month here. Yeah, and a lot if of things. You, if can... you're believing what he says, they're, they're ramping things up in a month, which right. which leads me into the thing that I think we really need to address here. Uh, I saw a tweet earlier today from Cespedes uh, Barbecue, and confirming the fact that 88 percent of the free agents right now are unsigned. I mean, yeah. you know, I know we're getting used to no more of a hot stove. And if it wasn't for the uh, the Mets and the Padres, we probably wouldn't have much to talk about this evening. But, um, you know, with this much stagnation, I mean, th- there's nothing happening. I mean, you know, it, it's really delaying. Like, I want to do player profiles, but I can't do a profile on any penny free agent without knowing where he's going. Yep. Exactly. I've started my draft guide stuff too. The old faces, new places one, obviously talking about people that have signed, but a lot of their value is kind of contingent on what, what the teams do around them, especially for pitchers and, you know, relief pitchers and uh, whatnot. So I think if they announced a universal DH, that would immediately clear things up, especially guys like, you know, Nelson Cruz Mm -hmm. and Edwin Encarnacion and a few other guys that are basically only dh types um marcelo zuna probably gets a big boost if they announce universal dh um 
you know, it's kind of crazy that they haven't announced it yet. They're going through like, hey, in three weeks, we're going to have pitchers and catchers report. Um, yeah. But we don't know any of the rules for the season. Rules, like, rules. Are yeah. pitchers getting ready to face nine hitters in the National League or eight hitters and a pitcher? Like, are we having that crazy, stupid, put a guy on second base in extra innings rule? Or, you know... Is there going to be 26-man rosters and only capping at 28? Are there taxi squads this year? What is, you know, are we adjusting anything in terms of fans? I mean, for God's sakes, uh, California is still under, like, complete lockdown to the point where San Francisco had to play their last two or three games in Arizona. Uh, NASCAR canceled a race there that was supposed to happen in late February because they're not going to be able to put on a sporting event. So you're talking about, you know, the Padres, the Giants, the A's, the Dodgers, the Angels. All are like, well, do we have a place to play? Are we going to have to play in Arizona? Are we going to have to play the first month on the road? Like, there's so much stuff up in the air right now. I don't blame teams for not spending money on free agents that they don't even know are we getting a full season out of. Are they going to be able to play universal dh spots do we have an extra spot where a guy can take up a bench spot and not have to have a guaranteed role on the roster like it's just nuts to me that rob manford can talk all this stuff and not talk about actual rules of baseball yes and and i need to remain positive with this because i am excited about a season i mean Last year wasn't ideal, but we did get through the season. We had a World Series crowned. Um, you know, we got a sport to the finish line, so we have to celebrate that. Yeah. Um, especially with with the trouble that the NBA has been going through, especially the last couple of days. So, you know, I, I'm hoping we get some traction here, and, and we need. And again, I I, I don't want to be John Smoltzian and, and just be downplaying everything. So I, I got to keep things on the up and up. So. Let's talk about some things that at least we do know. So going through uh, roster moves, obviously, at at the top of this, and you're speaking to one of those points, is Carlos Carrasco was a part of the big uh, trade between the Mets and Cleveland. You know, if he's pitching in the NL without a universal DH, then he gets a little bit of a bump in his value. But the, the main headline here is the Mets acquiring Francisco Lindor, entering his age 27 season which we all know is the, the power peak for most hitters. So they're getting a guy in his prime. This isn't like when they acquired Robinson Cano in the years past. So, um, you know, we know they, we gave up some, uh, the Mets gave up some big league talent, but to, to get Lindor, who I think is just as valuable inside a locker room as he is on the field, um, really helps solidify this roster. And, and the Mets really do need the universal DH or else you've got Dom Smith fighting for at-bats. So there's a lot of things to unpack here, but obviously start with Lindor, and then you can get yourself through the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, Lindor is obviously the headliner. He's one of the premier talents in the game, uh, shortstop capable of going 30-25 with a pretty solid batting average and nice run production. Um, You know, he's a, you know, top of the order, second, you know, number two hole hitter, typically speaking. Uh, And then I saw today, we're recording this on, what is it, Monday the 11th, I saw today a report that said he wouldn't be opposed to signing a long-term deal to stay in New York. 
He uh, did, but he also said he doesn't want to negotiate in season. Right. So we'll see what he does this year. And then, you know, it's not going to be like a Mookie Betts thing where the Dodgers get him and then immediately ink him to a 12-year, uh, he's never leaving L.A. type deal. Um, but, you know, Steve Cohen has enough money to change Lindor's mind pretty quickly on that one. Um so, yeah, I mean, in terms of adding depth to the lineup, I think it definitely helps the Mets. I mean, you're adding Lindor, but in terms of, like, a 2-3-4, now you've got Lindor, Conforto, and the polar bear, uh, Pete Alonso. That's a pretty pretty good middle of the order there. Um, and then you can have Jeff McNeil um, likely take most of the second base spots. Um mm-hmm. You got, you know, J.D. Davis, pretty good hitter in there. Um, Dom Smith, we mentioned, pretty good hitter we've seen over the last year or so. Um, yeah, but we'll, it sounds like they don't want him in left field, so. Uh, no, not not particularly. I mean, That's he, where I'm saying you need the universal DH. Right. I actually read that they, they project Alonzo to be more of the DH and Smith at first base, or, or am I off mark? Um, I mean, from a defensive standpoint, that probably makes sense. Dom Smith came up as more of the defensive first baseman, and Alonzo had the bat. Um, not to say that Alonzo is a terrible defensive first baseman, and you can get away with a bad defensive first base uh, at this point. But if they don't have the DH, you're not going to take Alonzo out of that lineup <laughs> for for Dom Smith. Just the sheer power that mm-hmm. Alonzo has. Oh, no, has. of course not. That's not what I was insinuating. I right. just meant Dom Smith yes. really right. needs the universal DH to stay fantasy relevant. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Carrasco probably pitches in the two hole for the Mets right now, I would say, behind DeGrom. Um, until, you know, Syndergaard gets back, then you would put Syndergaard in the two hole and then Carrasco in the three hole and Stroman. Still got Stroman in, in the four hole. And then it doesn't really matter at that point, right? Because that's a pretty, pretty strong top four. Um, and this also lets Lugo go back to the bullpen, which is huge. Yes, because we've seen that guy's been way better in the bullpen than he has been uh, as a starter for whatever reason. So, And they have the new catcher to work with him um, in James McCann, so we'll see uh, how that goes. Um, but I do overall like the deal for the Mets, which stinks because I am a Nats and a Yankees fan, so not <laughs> not great when I have to compliment the Mets. But that's a pretty nice, that's a pretty nice move for the hey, Mets. Hey, the Yankees got Greg Allen. Yeah, I know, right? That's just a ripple effect. Yeah. Uh, not to mention, uh, we'll cover DJ Lemayhu later, so I don't want to take that away. Yeah, so. Also, not to mention Garrett Cole's pitching ability is now in question. Well, every pitcher, come on. <laughs> we know they're all using know. sunscreen and everything else. I, <laughs> but, you know, that's the root of all of the stuff with Bauer and Cincinnati gaining all those revolutions just by going to that team. Everyone, they're all used. I don't care. I think hitters, yeah. I've read that hitters prefer that they use the pitchers use it. So the pitchers know where the ball's going. Yeah, for sure. You don't want a guy throwing 99 throwing up and 98. in with no idea. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't want to wind up like John Crook in the all-star game backing out of the box. Cause you almost get hit with the pitch. Um, yeah. So, well, you know, if we flip around, I guess we're going to talk about Cleveland. With uh, yeah, and and you know, I think I think Cleveland did okay, and it's going to take a lot to. I don't know if they're going to be the Cleveland baseball team, which is the baseball equivalent of the Washington football team, or how we're going to refer to them. But um, you know, Cleveland got 
two guys that can take the immediate spots at second base and shortstop for them. Although Jimenez can move around. I read somewhere Rosario might end up at third base eventually. I don't know if I believe in that. Uh, they got a young right-handed pitcher in Josh Wolf and an outfielder, Isaiah Green. So um, obviously with you having the prospect background, I'll let you take, take care of the brunt of that. But Jimenez showed really well. He took at-bats away from Rosario, who's one year removed from a very strong 2019, which made him somebody a lot of people wanted. But that 60-game sample kind of tainted him last season. So uh, a little bit of intrigue. And for those of us that are looking for speed, I think, Jimenez and Rosario in this move probably both get a boost in value, correct? Yeah, probably. Um, I think one of them is, I think Jimenez is likely to be the leadoff hitter for the, uh, can't call them the Indians anymore, so we're just going to no, go with that's... Cleveland. Um, my personal favorite, by the way, is the Spiders. I'm hoping they go with the Cleveland Spiders. Um, but yeah, Jimenez likely leads off for them, which uh, is certainly going to be a boost. Say, my favorite was the Tankers. Well, there you go. There you go. They are um, a shipping hub, you know. They are. Um, <laughs> and so much so that they once set their river, river on fire. Um, but, yeah, Jimenez is likely to be the leadoff guy, which boosts his speed prospects and also boosts the run scored because, you know, obviously get more chances. Well, they will uh, score some. Right, yeah. Uh, Rosario, from what I've seen so far, is probably in the bottom third of the order. Um which, you know, we've seen nowadays where they put a, a guy who doesn't get on base quite as much but has some speed in the nine hole so that you get him and then the leadoff guy kind of creating a double leadoff situation. Mm-hmm. Um, as ter- in terms of the prospects, Josh Wolf is probably a potential number two starting prospect that they got back. Uh, he was pretty highly sought after in the draft. Uh, he's got to really develop a third pitch there. His changeup is pretty good, um, but a little inconsistent at times. Uh, say his... no offense, though. If you need to go to an organization and get a third pitch or unlock your arsenal lately, Cleveland's yeah, Cleveland, kind of been it. Yeah, for sure. Because um, we've seen what they've done with their bevy of young starters that they've brought up. Um, kind of out of necessity because their you know, former Cy Young or Cy Young contenders all got injured and they brought them all up and... Let them sink or swim, and they all they all worked out. Uh, Isaiah Green is uh, a first round talent uh, who went, uh, I think, in the comp B round, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from the Mets. Um, but the Cleveland wanted him in the draft; they just didn't pull the trigger quite quick enough. Uh, he's a kid out of Southern California. Really turned some heads during the Area Code Games, which is a major prep tournament out there. Um, he's a true center fielder type. He's got nice speed. He takes really nice routes to, um, to the ball. His hit tools are going to have to come around a little bit. Um, and I'm not sure he's ever really going to be a a big power threat. We might be talking about eight to 12 home runs tops, uh, when he's all said and done, but about 35, 30 to 35 steals a year. So that's a pretty nice, uh, package back for Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Almost sounds a little bit like a Kenny Lofton profile. A little bit. A little bit, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'll be interested to see how all that uh, that shakes out. So, you know, I mean, that guy's one in, point, I mean, Green is in rookie ball, so we're talking that's a yeah. long-term. Oh, yeah. We're, we're yeah. You know. Same, well, what same used thing to be with, rookie ball, I don't know where they go now because they got rid of rookie ball. Um, positive, yeah. Matt. We're being positive. <laughs> all right. So, speaking of positive, I can think about the sunny weather in San Diego. 
Um, at one point, they were pretty much the only show in town as far as transactions went, especially doing the the off-season reports, which uh, you picked me up on the, the Mets one, and I, I broke down all of the San Diego ones there. So they picked up Blake Snell from Tampa Bay, Hugh Darvish from Chicago. You know, when when I don't know if, you were, if you're old enough to remember the old movie uh, Caddyshack, there's yep. a scene where Rodney Dangerfield's on the phone, and he's like, Sell, sell, sell. They're all selling them. Buy, buy, buy. So the, the Patriots are going against the grain and buying, um, as are the Mets. So they, they kind of got, I think, decent prices on both of them, although we'll let you break that down when we go through those teams. Um, not only did they get Darvish from Chicago, but they got his caddy. Nice little segue there with Caddyshack. Victor Caratini. And they also signed KBO Import, Ha Young Kim. Um, now, so I'll, I'll just say a couple of things, and I'm going to turn it over to you. So the last time we saw Snell, he was pulled early from the World Series game where he was absolutely dominating the Dodgers, and he wasn't happy about it. You could almost see that this was coming. You um, Darvish with the contract, we can see the Cubs are about to, to, to keep selling. So um, there's rumors that Bryant and uh, Contreras are going to be next. And, and then Kim, I thought, possibly second base, but everything I'm reading that two different reports are saying that the Padres see him as somebody that can move all around the diamond and help them out and give people a day off. So uh, sounds like he's going to be in the utility role, which leads me to believe that they're almost trying to morph their lineup into the Dodgers lineup. Does that make sense? I mean, I mean, you've seen what the Dodgers have done in your own division for the last four or five years. And they have a bunch of dudes that play a bunch of places and, you know, just mix and match. And to a degree, it's what, um, you know, Madden did to a degree in Chicago when they went to the World Series. They had quite a few versatile guys, you know, a couple of cornerstones. Um, I think it's a little interesting to me that Kim wouldn't immediately slot into second base because the last two years, second base in San Diego has been the worst offensive position in baseball. Uh-huh. It sounds um, like they liked what Cronenworth did last year. Yeah, I mean... His leash isn't long. I mean, they've got Kim there if he falters. If it was right, a one-year right. one year deal, they've got him they can slot in. Yeah, for sure. And Cronenworth was quite amazing. And let's not forget, that guy also throws 98 miles an hour from the mound. So in a pinch, I guess you could use him as a reliever. Not that they're going to. Um, but yeah, the Blake Snell thing in the World Series reminded me quite a lot of watching Garrett Cole throw a hissy fit because the Astros never put him in the in uh, Game 7 mm-hmm. um, when they should have and potentially stopped the bleeding. Um, and then you you all but knew that Cole was not coming back to the Astros because he's not going <laughs> to... I mean, he, he didn't even have an Astros hat on like 10 minutes after the game. Um, yeah, Snell was never going to come back to Tampa. Um so it definitely bolsters that rotation. And let's keep in mind that Blake Snell's under contract for another two or three years. And Darvish is still under contract. And they've got a guy named Mike Clevenger who's coming back from injury, probably not this year, but probably no. next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've still got Chris Paddock, who, as much as people want to complain about Paddock, Paddock is still really good. Um, I think this helps Paddock because now he doesn't have to be the guy. Right. I know he has yeah, the sheriff motif like the and the whole three. deal, but right. Yes. He, and when he, Clevenger comes back, he's the number four. Mm-hmm. And oh, let's not forget they have Mackenzie Gore and Adrian Morahone 
and a couple other dudes, and Ryan Weathers still down in the farm system. So <laughs> the the Padres are really, really, really scary at this point. <laughs> and and I I assume this might be one of our future debate series guys is Denelson Lamette, who I think you're higher on than I am. Um, I guess it depends on what you need him for, right? If you're using I'm worried, him as a about, strikeout I'm worried guy, about the letters PRP at the, at his at his draft price. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, people are overpaying for him because they see all the strikeouts, and he had a pretty good year. And you know, if he doesn't get tattooed, his his ratios are pretty good. But the innings have never really been there for him. No. Um. You know, when he gets into trouble, he doesn't really fight his way back out of it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, he's an interesting guy to me, but he's certainly not not anywhere close to a top target of mine. No, even he's like in a, a much better three. spot being a, a three or a four pitcher on that right. team and not the ace. That, that goes without being said. So a lot of that's going to help. Um, I still think. The Padres are going to do one more thing with that bullpen. I, I heard Kirby Yates wants a like a $5 million deal laden with incentives. He wants to prove he's healthy and then go back into the pool the year after and try and get a better contract, which in this current state of affairs might be the way to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so especially because he's not at the top of the food chain, even though he could have been, uh, except for those, the, the elbow problems he had last year. So it sounds like everything's back on track with him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see him reunite with the Padres, give him the hometown discount and come back in and and maybe stabilize that bullpen and make it even deeper than it already seems. Yeah. Um, so let's get into the Tampa Bay thing here, because I think the, the key to this deal was Luis Patino. So I, I know you like him. I'll let you speak about him. They yeah, I have him up- on my 18-team uh, home league uh, prospect keeper. Yeah, League, they, so. they also got Francisco Mejia to help uh, shore up the backup catching duties this year. He is a switch hitter. Uh, he kind of been lost at the plate the last last year or so. Uh, I think another key part of this deal was Blake Hunt, who anything that I read, the reports on him in the off site training were terrific. And uh, pitcher Cole Wilcox. So all that goes to Tampa Bay. And they did pick up Michael Waka. Um, to eat up some innings there, although I think he's probably going to end up being a, a three to four inning guy in, in short bursts. But uh, speak yeah, to he's going to be like a Yarborough. I yeah. mean, Walker's going to be like a Yarborough, basically. Um, Patino is a guy who kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit um, in San Diego, which is you know quite possible because I just listed off three other pitching prospects that they have. And, you know, Patino was right in the middle of that. Um, He's a guy who's a potential ace caliber pitcher. Um, I know he came up last year and didn't really look all that great, but Uh, he needs seasoning. He's young. He needs seasoning. He's still young, um, which is great because that's where Tampa's going to come into uh, their own with him. They're Mm -hmm. clearly, I would say, the best organization at developing homegrown stud pitchers. Uh, over the last, you know, decade to 12 years or so, they've they've continuously, uh, you know, demonstrated their ability to groom pitching. So, Patino, if you're in a draft and hold league, I'd get him this year because he might be up in the second half of this year. Um, obviously, if he's available in a keeper league, which I don't know why he still would be, but 
you know, I'd snatch him up. If you're in a redraft, I wouldn't pay much attention to him right now because I don't think he's going to start right off the bat. Uh, Tampa definitely wants to see him get some seasoning first. Um, but I think the the steal of this deal really is Cole Wilcox because I think that guy's going to be absolutely filthy. Um, I have him as a number two starter right now, and if he can get some more consistency, he can be an ace caliber um, pitcher. So they're they're definitely continuing to build their depth in their ridiculous farm system. But that's that's their that's their modus mm-hmm. operandi to survival. They oh just, yeah, you know, and I they... had a I had a whole debate um, when this deal went down with a guy who absolutely hated this deal because he wants to see the Rays compete with the best roster possible and whatnot. And I'm like, they've they're one of only two teams to win 90 games in like each of the last three full seasons, right? The Dodgers are the only other team. Okay. Like they've continually, continually hit on prospects. And the guy's like, well, I don't think they can keep it up. I said, well, they've been doing it since like the 2000s. Like they've kept going. It's not a fluke thing. They trust their scouting department and they keep hitting on these guys. They're also one of only a handful of teams to make two World Series in the last 12 years. So, it, but here's here's the catch 22 to that, I guess, and it's almost a perfect segue that the next team we're going to talk about is the Cubs. Is it better to to totally sell out and get that one flag like the Cubs did, or to continually contend and just miss like the Rays? Well. Because I would we, argue, we see the Cubs fans are about they're not going to be happy because there's more to come. Right. I would argue that I would rather be the Rays than the Cubs. And, you know, I can also comp this to the Nationals, right? The Nationals sold out in 2019. They got hot and made the run, right? But the trades that they made to get the guys that helped them with that and they called up their shallow uh, farm system, now there's basically nobody left in that farm system. Right. So, yeah, the Nats won in 2019. But if you look at where they stand compared to other NL East teams, they don't have nearly the farm system or the uh, length of window that, say, the Braves have or now maybe even the Marlins have or, you know, they have they have a very small margin for error this year. If right. If Scherzer gets goes, hurt or Strasburg gets hurt, they're in deep trouble. Well, we'll we'll have to see what Strasburg comes back like because he had the carpal tunnel surgery yeah. last year. So I would be I would much rather be Tampa because here's the thing: if they need to go all in, they can trade a couple of key prospects and get another big time player and still have a very deep system. If they because, decide to go for it again, yes. Right and. Like we said, so in 2008, they lost the World Series because the Phillies didn't call a game during a hellacious rain delay that, you know, killed the race speed, which was their winning method, right? And in, you know, this year, who knows what happens, but if you leave Blake Snell in, there's a decent chance we're talking about the Rays winning the World Series instead of the Dodgers. Well, at so, least you're forcing a game seven, yes. Right. And, to be clear, the Cubs have to win Game 7 on the road in extra innings after a rain delay to win that World Series. And if they don't, then you're talking about a team that spent five years tanking to build a core that came up short that now, three years later, is being dismantled. So, 
I get, I know, I know. That's the old flies flag forever. It's, I think that gets people in dynasty leagues too. It's like, do you keep, keep trying to stay relevant every year or do you, I, you know, in my one keeper league, I've never done a rebuild. I've been able to keep in the top two or three almost every year, which is fantastic. But at some point I need to reboot, but I can't right now because I've got Soto and Vlad Jr. So yeah, we're, but- we're, we're still in it to win it. But it's it's a vicious cycle. Now, now talking about these Cubs, they they got Zach Davies in return, so he can eat up innings for them. That was just he had nowhere to throw in San Diego with all the additions, so that one makes sense. My question to that is though, now you've got Kyle Hendricks, Davies, and Alec Mills. They're likely going to be throwing one, two, three. They're all kind of soft tossers mm-hmm. is this going to be an advantage for other teams because all right maybe Hendricks does well but then the next two guys might get tattooed because you've got their bats tuned into that to that speed or am I overreading this um no I mean that was kind of my first thought too and the other thing is that Lester has been talking about you know he kind of wants to come back if they would have him back they haven't really had conversations but Lester's lost basically all of his velocity as well. So if you actually well, get... At least he's left-handed. Right. So, you know, you'd switch the side of the plate. But again, that would be a fourth soft-tossing pitcher in a starting rotation. So there is some evidence that guys that can throw softer and keep hitters off balance and place, you know, and, and control the pitches, command them, actually do better this day and age than the guys that just sit up there and throw 98 all the time. But I think that's if you're a one-off guy, or right, if there's like two out of five. Hard the day before, yeah. Right, but not if there's like three out of five or four out of five. If you resign um, Lester, so I think it's a pretty interesting strategy. I don't know that they're necessarily going for competing this year. I think they're pretty well throwing in the white flag and saying, "Look, we don't have anybody in our farm system." We needed to make a move because our team can't hit. You know, I, I want every team in the Central to tank and see who's the best of the worst, kind of like the NL, the NFL yeah, uh, East I mean, this year, NFC East with the with the Giants, the Washington mm-hmm. football team, the Cowboys and the Eagles. It was just like a battle of attrition. Yeah, the NF, the uh, the NL, or NL Central is going to be fairly gross this year. I mean, the Cardinals are pretty solid, right? That's about the only solid team we think there is in that division. They're um, solid, but they have their warts like all of them. Right, but the Brewers have no pitching. And the question is, can their offense stay healthy? The Reds just got rid of everybody that made them good, and there's talk that they're getting rid of a. Eugenio Suarez. Um, the Pirates are clearly the Pirates. Um, though their pitching staff may get better because they won't have Chris Archer. Um you know, it's just a gross – and then obviously the Cubs, who we just – you know. Now, saying all that about the Cubs, they did get some really interesting prospects back. They're young, people though, correct? Unfair. Yes, they are all young. Um, a couple of these guys haven't even really played pro ball stateside yet. Correct. Um, so I think they got unfairly reamed because they're – international signees that nobody's heard of but if you actually are in the prospect world you you know these guys have a shot to really develop and become impressive prospects now we're talking like three or four years down the road for these guys 
Um, and Owen Cassie is a pretty intriguing prospect in his own right. Um, having recently been drafted, could add to that homegrown pitching depth for the Cubs, which they desperately need. So, well, it's a trade that's going to take some time to bear fruit for the Cubs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they did pretty decent. Let's put it this way. I think they actually equaled in the long run what Tampa got for Blake Snell. Interesting. All right. Well, I'll have to see how that plays out. Of course, who knows? That's going to be down the road. Right. Uh, not not a huge signing, but Detroit did add Robbie Grossman to a two-year deal. I feel like every, every time I add him on a team is when he goes into a cold streak, but he, he did show some speed last year, which some people are desperate for. I think Detroit really got him because of his ability to get on base and help teach some of the younger guys in our lineup or at least model that for them. Um, and, and your Nationals did trade for Josh Bell and signed Kyle Schwarber, so we added some power. Um, I think Bell should do better in that ballpark, that ballpark and playing uh, in games that matter might rejuvenate him a little. Um, how do you feel about both of those deals? Uh, I actually like both of those deals. Um, first of all, the Nats gave up not all that much to get Josh Bell, so I kind of like that because obviously just said we don't have a whole lot to trade from. So to get a starting first baseman, which was a pretty big hole for the Nats, um, and a middle-of-the-order hitter is pretty nice, who's also a switch hitter, which adds some variance there. Mm-hmm. Um, Schwarber, I think, defensively has improved. Um, I wouldn't be opposed to him playing left field basically full-time. Um, would I prefer there to be a National League DH and put Schwarber there? Yeah, but he also turned down the Yankees because he didn't want a DH all the time. He wants to play in the field, so I like to hear that. Um, and that's just, that's just goofy, though. Well, you, you know what he would have done in Yankee Stadium with that short porch? I agree. Not saying, you know, it's, but hey, as a, you know, Nats I, I fan, taken, he desperately needs taken, left field. I don't know. I would have taken one year at $8 million, went to Yankee Stadium and hit a bevy of well, home runs okay, and then went back out in the market. Year, he basically took one year and $10 million for the Nats. I mean, there's well, a mutual. I, yeah. There's a mutual deal at eleven million for the following season, but you know you did the the overlay. His profile still looks pretty good in Nats Park for a lefty. It uh, does. It, it it'll and, be fine. I and just, here's you know. the other impressive part: is that but going back to 2019, which I'm just going to disregard the 2020 season like it never really happened. Um, there were ten left-handed hitters in baseball that had 34 or more home runs and an OPS plus of 120 or better. The Nats now have two of them in Schwarber and Soto. Schwarber uh, in the second half of 2019, I thought he found something. He was just yeah, unbelievable. He was ridiculously um, good. I, I knew he couldn't keep that average, but I thought that the power and everything else would translate over, and he, he used to be a, he was a decent on-base guy. Yeah. Uh, the, the collapse last year, I mean, all of the Cubs just kind of cratered. So, yeah. You know, um, but I think he see the articles. Um. For the Nats, I think he's their two-hole hitter. Um, so I think it goes Trey Turner, Schwarber. Then I would put Bell because he's the switch hitter, so you could break up the lefty-lefty combo of Soto and Schwarber. Put Soto fourth. Uh, Robles probably fifth. Um, no, you, you got to let Robles try and lead off. I know he gained some weight. He's going to get in better shape. You're going to bet 
Robles lead off over Trey Turner? I I I would go Turner Soto and then figure out the rest behind them. Let those two get all of the good pitches, but that's Turner, just me. Soto, Schwarber, or Turner Soto, Bell, Schwarber, then like Robles, Castro, Jan Gomes, uh, then probably pitcher and then Keyboom. Maybe I I Castro could move up in that too. He did hit cleanup for a little while with a couple of teams. Not that I'm saying that that's ideal, but yeah, I don't know. And there's still talk that the Nats are trying to get Eugenio Suarez, but they don't want to give up their top two pitching prospects to get him, so I don't know how that works. Um, <laughs> going to have to give up somebody to get a bat like Eugenio Suarez. Um, so we'll, uh, we'll All see. I do know is that I just love Juan Soto. and Yep, that guy's a goat. My God. I, I did his profile. Holy moly. Holy that moly. Guy's in, that guy's insane. He's so patient, it's obnoxious. <laughs> like, like kid's just he, talented. He should not be that young and that good at the same time. He like he was like out out with COVID, rolled out of bed, and just started hitting. It's that's just unfair. Yeah, and now he's gonna move to right field, which will be interesting. But I think he can. I think he can do it. All right, so we'll get through a, a couple more things that are out there to talk about. I know it's getting late here on the East Coast, but and some of us have to teach in the morning. But anyways. Um, Chris Bryant, you know, everyone was saying over the weekend that he was going to get traded. It didn't come to fruition. I don't think you can force trades or make them happen that fast, especially when 85% of the free agent market is still out there. Um, obviously I don't think he's going to be with the Cubs on opening day. I don't see why the Blue Jays would get him. Where is the best fit for Chris Bryant to go? A mutually good fit. Um... That's a good question. I know coming into last year, he'd been rumored that the Nats were going to try to make a move again. If you're trying to get a Eugenio Suarez and not giving up your top two prospects, probably not going to get Chris Bryant either. Um, not that I would necessarily I don't know, probably take Suarez over Bryant at this point. Um, the terrific irony here is this is the year the Cubs depressed them to keep them, and now they're trying to trade them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Could it be a sneaky move by maybe the Mariners? They have nothing to play for this year. Well, who knows? But their GM loves making deals. That guy makes... Talk about rolling out of bed and making deals. The guy was literally in a hospital bed two years ago. I know. I I get all that, but... Well, I'm just uh, saying they like to make a splash. Seager's not that great anymore. You can move him off a of third base and, you know, help out Evan White a little bit at first base because Evan White isn't all that great of a first baseman yet. Um, I don't know. I'm just throwing a crazy thing out there that might right. stick. Because um, we'll he doesn't want to be, like, you know, outshined um, in the AL West. And, frankly, if he can put – something together, I think that's a competitive enough division that the Mariners might be able to make a run. Yeah. I, I mean, the Astros, doesn't sound the Astros, like Astros the have are no doing pitching. Anything. Right? The Astros have no pitching. They're going to lose a chunk of their offense by not re-signing George Springer. Um, they've got some injuries to deal with, too. The Angels, okay, they've got the same three bats they've had the last you know, few years and still have no pitching. Um, 
The A's well, aren't really there's, doing anything. See, there, there, there's our segue. There's, there's a guy out there who wants the highest AV, AAV for a pitcher Yeah, that's ever. stupid. That's that's stupid. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. I would not pay Trevor Bauer the highest AAV ever. I I wouldn't either, but... Also, by the way, I think he also shouldn't have won the Cy Young this year. I think it should have gone to, to you, Darvish. No, I, Darvish yeah. had better had better numbers basically in every facet than Bauer did, except for win-loss. But here's the thing. Do, does anybody look up who Trevor Bauer pitched against? He pitched against terrible offenses. Like horrible offenses. Like every game he pitched against a bottom five offense. So you should be putting up good numbers if all you're playing is bottom five offenses, which isn't necessarily his fault. But, like, you Darvish had better BIP and Sierra and, you know, expected stats and strikeout rate and basically everything except for win-loss. So and, and he did it from the second half of 2019 through last year. Right. And he did it with... I don't even think you can make the argument, but a worse offense than Trevor Bauer did. So, and he gets his catcher in San Diego. Yes, All he right. Does. So, um, reading through the stuff today, uh, questions on uh, the Giants page on uh, MLB.com. They're hoping Reyes Maranta can be the closer. Can we trust Gabe Kapler to name anybody a closer? Because that <sighs> seems to be something he's an, allergic to. Can you trust Gabe Kapler to name a sandwich order at this point? Like, well, actually, I would trust him with sandwich. He's a pretty fit guy. Oh, well, true. And he came from Philly. Well, picking a, a, picking a guy sandwich. in the ninth inning, I never know what the hell he's going to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Reyes Maranta was uh, a pretty popular guy in my home league in 2019. Everybody pretty much thought he was going to be a sneaky closer uh, if they started He has the some... stuff, but he's coming he does back from have the shoulder. Stuff. It's phenomenally nasty when he's healthy question is can he stay healthy and the question is can Gabe Kapler actually let a guy work out of the ninth inning for more than like one day every two weeks um so I take a flyer on him I don't have any problem with that I'm not going to count on him as my main closer but I'll take a flyer on him for some for you know on the hopes that he does in fact become the closer yes yeah I for for where he is right now sure but it's not right. somebody I'm going to move up boards. Oh, yeah, no. Um, you know, I, I did a mock draft for the for the Lindy's way back in November, uh, and closers were kind of going at a premium, and then it kind of drifted, and then my walk-off pick was Tanner Rainey. And I think I raised a couple of people's eyebrows, and that was before any reports that he might move into a chance to close for the Nationals this year. I don't think he, I, he may not open the year with the job, but I think he ends the year with it. Is that is that something you could agree with? Yeah, I thought that when they got him from um, the Reds and the uh, Tanner Roark, Tanner Rainey swap, the trade of the Tanners, um, I liked that deal because he has the stuff to be a closer and he showed it down the stretch in 2019 in the playoff run in the world series run. That guy was filthy. Mm -hmm. 
when especially when Doolittle couldn't be, and in 2020 when Doolittle couldn't be, um, and ultimately got injured, Rainey was basically the most reliable bullpen arm the Nats had. So, yeah, I don't know that he necessarily starts in that role. Um, I've heard some talk that they're still looking at some bullpen depth um, in Washington. Um, but I think he's definitely the guy that you're going to want to target out of that bullpen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly saves. agree. I've, yeah, I've, I've been leading that charge. I just got to hope he can stay healthy. All right, so DJ LeMahieu told his agent to start talking to other teams. I feel like he's not coming back to the Yankees. I don't uh, think this is yeah, a I saw reports ploy. that he was. I, I saw reports that he was frustrated with the slow negotiations. Which, let's face it, it's the Yankees. They're worth like fourteen billion dollars. Um, there's really no reason to slow play this negotiation. Everybody knows the Yankees need him. Uh, in that offense to make it tick. He's had a remarkable two seasons uh, in New York. Whether or not it hurts his fantasy value to move. Oh, it does. This, 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 this hurts everybody involved. It hurts the Yankees lineup. It hurts LeMahieu because losing that right field porch. Uh, look, See, at his, look at his expected home runs by ballpark. Yeah, uh, baseball I mean, savant. okay. Okay, but they said the same thing when he left Colorado. Oh, he's not going to be able to hit. No, no, no. Greg Jewett put an overlay saying that Yankee Stadium was going to unlock his right field power. Right. Right. I have you that. Did. I have that written on the yep. site. No, no, I was hyping LeMayu going no, to the Yankees. You were, but I'm just saying. Everybody says every time a Colorado player leaves, they can't hit anywhere else. And then well, no. LeMayu, he, he can hit 300, but you're those home runs in the high 20s. Bye, bye. Well, okay, but you can say that about anybody leaving <laughs> Yankee but Stadium. That, but that changes his value. It does. It does. But, again, batting average is still a really key thing this day and age. I mean, look at what the league average and batting average has done over the last five years. It's plummeting. It is, but, but it's not top 30. If you're taking those home runs off the board, uh, I can't see paying a top 30 pick for him. Well... The, the right, one bonus he has in a draft and hold, maybe, because you get first, second, and third base eligibility. Right. And multi-position but, guy is certainly helpful. Um, but in a, in a standard but again, redraft. It depends on where he goes, because let's make a crazy argument that Cincinnati signs him. That ballpark is as hitter-friendly as Coors or Yankee Stadium. So well, I, That's fine. However... Yeah, so Cincinnati's I think Cincinnati's all... talking about trading Suarez to save money. They're not going to. Well, I, I know no, what you're saying. They're not going to sign Lemayu. I'm I just get your saying. Point. Yes, I'm just saying. You know, if he signs in Minnesota, then yeah, his value for power probably tanks because Minnesota's as many home runs as the Twins have put up. It's still not that great of a home run park for a guy who's slight of frame. Um, I think ultimately he resigns with the Yankees. I think the Yankees know they have to have him. They don't have anybody else to fill that spot. Um, and they can't just slow walk the AL East because they'll get picked off by Toronto. Um, let, let me ask you this quick. What's more important this year, batting average or stolen bases? That's a good one. Um, I'm still going to go with batting average. Hmm. Interesting. Because my argument there is that 
if you have a couple of guys with a really high batting average, you can pretty well lock up that um, that you know those categ- that category pretty well, and give yourself a base of operation points wise in a roto league. Whereas steals, they're down across the board, right? So um, you can compile a few different guys that'll get you handfuls of steals and. Um, you know, 10, 12 steals. If you get like five of those guys, um, you're all right. And, you know, you don't need the 30 steel, like sell out for the 30 steel guy to compete in steals because steals are down everywhere. So everybody's going to be losing out on steals, right? That's my, that's my argument on that one. I think your boy Robles might actually be the, be the player we wanted him to be two years ago this year. Yeah, I, I think he could too. Um, I think we need to put 2020 behind him. That was a weird year for basically everybody. Um, but in 2019, he showed some flashes that he could be pretty solid, like 2020 candidate pretty easily. Yeah. All right, so one last thing here. the We know free agents are going to start signing. Is it going to take... Liam Hendricks signing somewhere and then the rest of the dominoes will just kind of like fall into place pretty quickly because yep. you read these things and it's like John Rose who say Hendricks is talking to A, B, and C. Brad Hand's talking to B, C, and D. Alex Colomay's talking to B, C, D, and sometimes E. So everyone's almost like waiting for that first one to go. But, you know, people are doing drafts right now, which God bless them, but you're trying to write these things for the for the guys in these draft and hold leagues, and you, you could have five people you're taking right now to close lose their job in in the next in the next three weeks. Oh, for sure. And I mean, that's always the, we've gone over this like every year for like the last three years. The closers are easily the biggest risk in drafting because even if you get a guy who's let's say locked in like two years ago, like Rizal Iglesias, right? two months into the season, you weren't sure you were getting saves from that guy going forward because the manager lost faith for whatever reason, right? Um, but yeah, to circle back, I think if Liam Hendricks signs, he'll set the market. Everybody else will follow after that. Um, and if you're Hendricks, you're waiting for somebody else to sign so you can go, well, I'm better than that guy. I want more money than him, right? <laughs> like you want Brad Hand to sign if you're Liam Hendricks. Because you can go, well, let's up that because I'm better than Brad Hand. See, I, I, I would have been a bad athlete because if I'm Liam Hendricks right now, I'm going to a team that has a shot to win. Uh, I'm, well, I'm sure, calling, everybody I'm wants calling to go to the White Sox, shot to I'm win. calling the Blue Jays, I'm calling a couple others saying, what, what are you offering because I want to close games and I know you need a closer. Yeah, I would be doing the I'm same not thing going to too. Houston. No. Because nope. before it say they want to sign a top closer, but it's like... Well, of no. course, because they don't have Roberto Ozuna in the back of that pen anymore. I mean... No, and Ryan Presley's a nice pitcher, but he's a better setup guy. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I just don't want any of that stink from Houston on me either, because you never know <laughs> what your reputation is going to be like when you leave Houston. Um, so yeah, I think that's what's happening, is it People are just waiting to see what Hendricks does, and then they'll react to that and try to get guys for less than Hendricks. Um, and Hendricks is trying to wait out to see what guys are going to sign 
and say, hey, man, I'm like four times better than Trevor Rosenthal. Can I get like twice as much money? Um, but, but there's people yeah. out there drafting Aaron Bummer and, and they're drafting Matt Barnes in Boston. And, yeah. you know, Yates has been linked to Boston and they're drafting Pomeranz and you're doing, I mean, all of these people. Yeah, there's also trade rumors out of Boston that they're trading Andrew Benintendi. So I'm not even sure I trust that offense. No, like, I, I, well, I'm just <laughs> saying, but I mean, Steamer has, I think Barnes is I, projected to get the fourth or fifth most saves in baseball this year. I, you know, no. yeah, because if Boston wins games, they're going to be close, and that's where you need your closers. Uh, I, I'm not sold that they're going to let him have that role, but I mean, it's just it's. It's it's why drafting now is so difficult. I know some people think they can get great value and they like doing it right now, but uh, I, I I'm going to keep my focus on the preparation and the profiles and the stuff we got coming up in the baseball guide, which is the last thing we have to talk about for everybody tonight. Um, the the baseball guide is live. We do have some profiles up, a couple of introductory articles. Uh, Matt did all of the 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 prospect. What was it? Your prospect top 20? Uh, rookie. So top 20 rookie rankings are up. I wrote about, yep. uh, wrote more in depth about actually uh, top 50 rookie rankings are up. Um, okay. Those will be added to depending on what moves happen and signings and, you know, because there might be a couple other international guys that sign. Um, top 20 rookies are written up in depth. Um, I have a list of top 250 prospects coming out soon. Um, and then, you know, we've each got you and, um, Colby Conway are plugging away at those, uh, crazy good player profiles. Uh, I've got a couple of draft pieces coming out, one on dynasty leagues and one on old faces, new places. So guys that have switched teams via free agency or trades and what their new value looks like this year. Um, and then we got, I'm really excited for that player debate section we've got coming up which will have uh, a couple of uh experts on each one either podcast or i think i hear rumblings of videos we'll have to see uh videos i better start working out basically uh taking the difference like t- taking either side of hey who likes byron buxton oh right colby conway does and everybody else hates him so i'm sure that's going to be one it might be a five on one beat down of byron buxton but we'll see we might have um, to run Twitter polls and see see who the, who yeah, the if, Fantasy Alarm if, family sides with. And if you guys uh, want to recommend some player debates for us to have, we're open to that too. So it's a pretty it's a pretty exciting time here with the uh, with the MLB draft guide that is constantly updated. It's a living draft guide, so anytime news happens, pieces get updated, rankings get updated, projections get updated. So yeah, you got to get a piece of that. And, and this year, too, we're doing draft strategy specific things. There's Dynasty article. There's going to be draft and hold, best ball. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, full hand strategy, six man rotations, universal DH if there's going to be one. There's going to be an advanced analytics section. So it's not going to be what we've done in the past. There's going to be some new wrinkles. Um, so there's it's even high kind of exciting. Leads. Yes, Adam uh-huh. Ronis covers the high stakes items. So, you know, it, it, I, there should be something in there for everybody, whether you're yep. Bob from accounting or you're doing a main event draft. We should be able to help you out um, and get prepared for those sorts of things. That's our goal with all this. So, 
um, that's it. I'm going to get off the get off the podium and, and stop espousing. I'm, I'm sure we've gone over, but I get talking about the baseball and I do get excited. So I, I hope everyone's excited about the upcoming upcoming season as I am. Uh, we'll we'll adjust to all of the things as the news breaks and um, the free agent tracker. Once things happen, does update. I updated Schwarber the day he signed. Um, and, and like I said, Matt covered the, the Mets trade. I have the Padres trade up on the site. They're free for you to read and everything else should be falling into place. And, and Matt's even going to start probably tickety tapping in on some, uh, let's go racing, right? Uh, yeah. NASCAR starts, uh, Valentine's day for the cup series. And we have full coverage of truck and Xfinity this year being brought to you by both Dan Malin and myself, but mostly Dan Malin. Uh, we were pretty good in all three series last year, so we're going to keep that rolling this year. Um, and a few minor changes coming that'll make it easier to uh, digest some some data for you. So uh, pretty exciting stuff coming for NASCAR and baseball, my two favorite sports to take up my entire year. Okay, now, uh, Kreskin is not my middle name, but I just had a flash come across my phone. Liam Hendricks just signed, and I did say the team a moment ago. You want to guess? Uh, Don't look. It <laughs> it's impossible not to look. I got the same thing. Um, right, he's so, going to the south side. So of, the White Sox Chicago. are pushing all the chips in. So as I was saying, Aaron Bumman shares are probably going up in the flames. They just no, they, did. They, so. went, they went to the bummer. <laughs> well, be that as it may. So we now, of course, I'm, I, I need to go to bed, but um, I'll, that lets me get his profile done ASAP. And I will update the free agent tracker soon. But Liam Hendricks to the White Sox. We don't get, get to do those, breaking get news on the podcast. In. But get those bets in for the White Sox in 2021 World Series. That's that bullpen's crazy, especially if Crochet stays in there. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a filthy bullpen and a very good top three. You know, I know people were all over Pomeranz last year as a setup guy for strikeouts. If you're looking for that player this year, is Crochet. Yeah, I wrote him up in the rookie thing. Um, he's got filthy, filthy stuff. All right, Matt, that's good. Good stuff tonight, as always. I appreciate you staying up with me and, and surviving the day with the kids and getting this done down there in Nebraska. I'm an hour ahead of you out here, and I do have to get to bed soon. But thanks again for everything, Fantasy Alarm family. Be, be looking for all the updates of the baseball, baseball guy coming if you haven't bought that part of the package, please do so ASAP because all of those things are going to start landing on there. Uh, I think as soon as the 15th, uh, yep. Mike Alexander is going to have his best ball article, which is probably worth the price of the drive, the draft guide itself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, until next time that wraps up episode 63, uh, be safe and stay Stay well out there, Fantasy Alarm family. We're out.